Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, thank you so much once again, guys, for uh, having me and for allowing me to come and share. You guys are really, really privileged to have these guys uh, serve you with their gifting and for the kingdom. You really are blessed. You have a great community here. Um, so, uh, can I start with a joke again? For those of you who are here this morning, will know that I like to just uh, start with a joke. So, there was a a light that turned orange as uh, he approached the traffic lights. He did the right thing, stopped at the, tr the crosswalk, even though he might have beaten the red light by accelerating through the intersection. The tailgating woman behind him was furious, furious and she st stood on her hooter, screaming in frustration as she missed her chance to get through the traffic lights. She was still in mid-rant when she heard a tap on her window and uh, facing the face of a, a serious police officer. The officer ordered her to exit the car, asked her to put her hands behind her back, put handcuffs on her, took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, photographed and placed in a holding cell. After a few hours, the policeman approaches the cell, opens the door, escorts her back to the booking office. He says, I'm sorry for the mistake, ma'am. You see, I pulled behind your car while you were sitting on the hooter, giving the guy in front of you the middle finger and cursing at him, and I noticed on the back of your car the What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker, the Choose Life license plate holder, the Follow Me to Sunday School bumper sticker, and the chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on your boot. So naturally, I assumed you'd stolen the car. <laughs> That's why I don't drive with a fish sticker on the back of my car. So I'd like to share a little bit with you about how valuable you are this evening. That you are the crown of God's creation. That when God made you, He made you not for you to serve Him, He made you so that you could discover how good a father He is. You know, anytime we look for our sense of value, our sense of dignity, our sense of worth outside of our relationship with God, it ends in death. And I see it so often when, when people are looking for their validation, their acceptance, their sense of who they are out of their performance, out of what they do or what they have done, or out of their spiritual disciplines. And what happens is when I start to shift my focus onto my performance for people or for God, it leads me into legalism or it leads me into wanting to being being right, where I start to get my sense of worth out of how right I am before people, which leads to a sense of righteousness or self-righteousness. You know, we, we have a bottom line need that has been met in Jesus, yet if I don't discover that and persuade my heart of that, then I'm going to look for it outside of myself. Anytime I believe that my, my need to be right is that need that needs to be met, then I become a God unto myself. You know, God, the Bible says God created man in his own image, and somebody said, and man returned the favor by creating God in their own image. See, we often want to equate our sense of dignity and worth out of being right or by doing right things. Yet we will never equate to God's view and opinion of us if that is our bottom line, bottom line need. 
In Isaiah 64, it says that our righteousness or our desire to be right is like filthy rags. So we will never ever equate to the equality of God. That is why God came in the Son, Jesus, and He showed us what a relationship with the Father looks like. And then He took on sin and the payment for sin, died, took on the punishment for our sin, died and rose from the grave and then included you in that resurrection. So that we have a newness of life in Him, the Bible says, where we actually discover who we are as children of God. In Ephesians 1, it says, Long ago, even before He made the world, God chose us to be His very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in His eyes without a single fault. We who stand before Him covered with His love. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. You know, sometimes we have this view and opinion of God that he loves us because he has to, but he doesn't really like us because of our misdeeds. Yet the Bible says that he likes you and he loves you and that he adopted you because he wanted to and he took great delight in doing so. In the message it says, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. It says that you are the focus of his love. So like a, somebody who's standing on an opera stage and the light is focused on that person singing, the Bible says that you are the focus of God's love. You have his attention. In verse 11 it says, through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God delights in you. He didn't send his son because he had to. He sent his son because he wanted to, because he loves relationship with you. And he's a good father. A child asked his father, how were people born? The dad said, Adam and Eve made babies and babies became adults and made babies and so on. So the child went to his mom, said, how were um, people born? The mom says, no, we were monkeys and we evolved to become like we are now. The child ran back to the father and said, you lied to me. His father said, no, your mom was talking about her side of the family. <laughs> In Psalm chapter 8, David writes this psalm, and he says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of your enemies, that you might still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? For you have made him a little bit lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. 
and have put all things under his feet, sheep, oxen, yes, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. David is busy writing this psalm, and he's saying, Lord, when I consider what you have created, when I consider the vastness of your universe, when I consider the stars and the moon and the sun and the galaxies, when I look at all of these things, and then I begin to reflect on man, and I see how small man is in comparison to what you have created, this thought comes to my mind, what is man that you would even think of man? What is the son of man that you would even care for him? And then he answers the question. Yet, you have made him a little bit lower. In some translations it says the angels. In some translations it says you have made him a little bit lower than God or angelic beings. But the, the Hebrew word there is Elohim, which is God himself. And he says in this portion of scripture, he says, you have made man just a little bit lower than God himself. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. And in the Hebrew there, Hebrew there it says, you have crowned him with dignity and worth. That God has placed a crown of dignity and worth on mankind. And then he refers to those who walk with a consciousness of their dignity and worth will have dominion in life. They begin to rule and reign as God intended for them to rule and reign because they understand their value. They understand their worth. They understand that God has given them dignity. Now, how do you determine the worth of something? How do you determine the value of something? You determine the value of something by how much you prepare to pay for it. So I can tell you that my watch is worth 10,000 rand, but if I only bought it for 1,000 rand, it doesn't matter how much I tell you it's worth, it's, it's only worth what somebody is prepared to pay for it. And God has determined your value and my value. And he said, the value that I ascribe to you is the blood of my son Jesus. You are so valuable, you, are, you equate to my son. You are worthy of the Son of God because He shed His blood for you. And the Bible says that you have been purchased by God Himself and you've been purchased with a price. You know, I, I have, uh, this is 50 bucks in my hand. Now if I take this 50 rand and I crush it up in my hand, how much is it worth? You guys are clever, man. And if I throw it on the floor and I kick it around and I make it dirty, how much is it worth? If I abuse it and I spit on it, how much is it worth? 50 rand. You guys are clever. So it doesn't matter what I do to this, the value remains the same. And it's the same with you. It doesn't matter if you've been abused it doesn't matter if other people don't see that value. It doesn't matter if you feel dirty. It doesn't mean if you've been kicked around by life, your value to God remains the same. You see, other people want to equate a sense of value and worth based on our performance. So they will tell you, you're in if you perform, you're out if you don't. So what happens is we look for validation, we look for that sense of value, we look for that sense of worth out of performance. 
out of what we are doing. And then when we aren't appreciated, then we feel like we are nothing. That is why it is so important that we get our identity so established in the Father's love and the price that was paid for us that irrespective of what people do, we remain fixed, stable, and secure in the Father's love. See, Jesus made this statement. He said, your approval or disapproval of me means nothing. Jesus did not look for the approval from man. Why? Because he had the approval of God. He had the approval of his Father. He lived knowing his value, his worth. He knew who he was as the Son of God. See, and unfortunately, we get hurt in life because we are trying to get our sense of worth out of what we are doing. We try and get our sense of, of value out of what we possess. Yet that never, ever satisfies because we're going to be disappointed. I mean, we, how many of you know you're going to buy, you think it's like, I'm going to go and buy this thing because it's going to make me happy. I'm going to go and buy that item of clothing or I'm going to look good in those shoes. And it doesn't last long. It, 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 it's a fleeting thing. Why? Because we are looking for our sense of value out of something apart from our relationship with God. And how do I, how do I receive this? Well, who believes that I'm a good guy? Does anybody believe I'm a good guy? So do you believe that I'm a man of my word? Some of you nodding your head. So the, the guy who believes, or the person who believes that I'm a good guy and I'll give this 50 bucks to, the, to them, can come and get it. <laughs> now you check. He was the only guy who put action to his faith. Too late, buddy. He put action to his faith. Because a bunch of you said, yes, I, I believe it. But then don't put action. So don't actually receive what's being given. Now, Rich didn't work for me all day. He actually bought lunch for me. See, and often we think that to get the blessing of God, it's depending, dependent on me working. And the Bible says that we will reign in life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I love the way it says in the Amplified, it says that we will reign like kings in life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Reigning is, in life is our ability to receive. And the word receive there means to take hold of, to make use of. We are taking hold of the, the abundance of God's grace. I'm taking hold of the gift of righteousness so that I can make use of it. So that my identity and my sense of value, my sense of worth is established in what God has determined, what God has said, what, what God has done in purchasing me as his own. See, God has always intended for you and I to feel powerful. For us to feel like, listen, no matter what life throws at us, and I've lived long enough to know that, listen, life throws lemons. Stuff happens in life. Stuff that happens because of people's decisions that they do that affect us. And I just want to let you know tonight, I just want to make a qualification right now. Anything bad that has ever happened to you has not been God. Anything good that has ever happened to you has been God. 
Because the Bible says that God is good and he is perfect in all of his ways and there is no variation or shadow of turning in him. So every good and perfect gift is from him. And anything bad that has ever happened to you is not from him because there's no bad in him. So God isn't allowing bad stuff to happen to you to teach you a lesson. Okay, because he's perfect in all of his ways. He's just. Amen? Amen. And sometimes when I say that, people are like, oh. <laughs> but somebody said, God's allowing this to teach me something. Listen. <sighs> okay, let me not go there. God wants you to feel powerful. And in, in Timothy, the Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Why? So you feel powerful when you're a co-laborer with God, when you begin to discover your worth and your value to Him. That God's not trying to do something to teach you something. God uses His Word to teach you. Can you imagine if I'm driving through the Karoo and it's 45 degrees outside and I'm driving with my wife and the aircon's on and we're enjoying the scenery and it's, it's beautiful and I say to my wife, my darling, I just want to show you how much I love you. She's like, oh, that would be wonderful, sweetie. And I stop on the side of the road and I say to her, won't you just get out the car? And so because she loves me and she's an obedient wife and she submits in everything, no, that's not my wife, but just play along with me. And she gets out of the car and I close the door and I lock it and I drive 500 meters down the road. And then I shout, I'm just showing you how much I love you, so I'm letting you go through a desert experience. This is your wilderness experience, and it's my proof of my love for you. And I wind the window up, and I sit and wait for her to walk, walk to me. Now, I would never do that to my wife. Yet people will say, that's what God's doing. You're in a desert experience, and He's making you go through the wilderness to try and teach you something. All that's happening is I'm destroying trust with my wife. And she's going to think I'm a jerk. And you know, many people think that God's a jerk because they think that he's the one doing bad stuff to them. Yet Jesus came to show us the heart of the Father. And Jesus said in John 14, he said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The way that I treat people is the way that your Father treats me. And I don't see Jesus ever putting anyone in a desert experience, but I do see Jesus healing. I do see Him restoring. I do see Him recovering. I do see Him raising people from the dead, not killing anybody. I do see Him administering mercy and kindness and love and joy and peace. And whenever there was a storm, He calmed it. Every funeral He went to, He rose them from the dead. Yet we ascribe to God things that Jesus never ever did. Yet the Bible says if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. In Psalm 139, in the NLT, it says, You, God, knit me together. In verse 15, it says, I was woven together in the dark of the womb. In the Amplified, it says, I was intricately and curiously wrought as if embroidered with various colors. In the message, it says, I was sculpted from nothing into something. God took nothing and he sculpted you. He took great pleasure and joy in forming and knitting you together. In Ephesians 2.10 in the TLB, it says, It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Jesus Christ. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives helping others. Jeremiah 1.5, Before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. 
Psalm 33, 15. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioned their hearts individually. In the message it says there, God shaped each person in turn. God has taken such joy in creating you. I read this from the book of behavioral genetics. Listen to this. It says, each of us has the capacity to generate 10 to the power 3,000. So that's 10 with a three, small 3,000 next to it. So 10 times 10, 3,000 times. Each person, male and female, has 10 to the power of 3,000 eggs or sperm with unique sets of genes. If we consider 10 to the power of 3,000 possible eggs being generated by an individual woman and the same number of sperm being generated by an individual man, the likelihood of anyone else with your set of genes in the past present or future becomes infinitesimal. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You've been created by God specifically so that you can enjoy what it is to be a child of the King. And they will, you know, you are the only new thing that God has. The Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. So, Everything that God has created is not new to him except you. Because there's never been anybody like you. And there will never be anybody like you. So you're the only new thing that God gets to enjoy. He takes great delight in loving you. You know, God, when he made Adam and Eve, the Bible says that they were running around the garden and they were naked and they were not ashamed because they were covered with the glory of God. And like I mentioned this morning, the word glory in the Bible means God's view and opinion. Actually, God's good view and opinion, which is reality. That is the true definition. So it doesn't only mean brilliance and splendor. It actually means God's good view and opinion, which is God's reality. And they were covered in the glory of God. And the day they chose to believe a lie about themselves, the glory left because they believed a lie. And they didn't believe the opinion of God. They didn't believe that they were who God said they were. And after that, they lived with fear and shame. And what have we been doing since then? We've been trying to cover ourselves with fig leaves. Our sense of guilt and shame and unworthiness and feeling like we're not good enough. And that we need to qualify for the blessing of God. And we need to do stuff for God's acceptance. And then the first storm that comes, the fig leaf blows away. You know, when, when, when God came and he was looking for Adam in the garden, you know, most people think that he, you know, that because of the image of God, that he was coming angry and his feet were stomping like the big friendly giant, you know. Where are you, Adam? And I like to believe that God was coming saying, as a loving father, where are you, Adam? Why are you hiding yourself? Have you forgotten who I am? Don't you? Why? Why have you believed this lie? And Jesus came to restore that sense of glory and dignity and worth. The Bible, Jesus speaks about these parables of a, of a, a pearl of great price and a treasure that was hidden that a man goes and he gives everything that he might purchase those things. And that's... Jesus was talking about 
the fact that you are valuable and precious. You know that you will not abuse something that is valuable. You look at a guy who's got a nice car, and he looks after that thing because it's valuable to him. But if he's got an old skoro skoro skadonk, it's like, I don't care. I've got a guy in Neisner, he's, he's got a, a, a bucky, he's a wealthy guy, but he drives this old fraught bucky. And he's like, this is the bucky I use, and I'm not intimidated by the taxis, and I don't care where I park. If the oak opens his door against my bucky, he says, I don't care. And he says, he said to me, I've got a lot of um, scars on my bucky, which I'm proud of. So he doesn't have much value for it. So I will abuse something which I believe has no value. Have you ever seen women who go from one abusive relationship to another abusive relationship? It's because of their sense of worth, their value that they have for themselves. They do not believe that they are qualified or worthy of somebody who will love them perfectly. And I will allow myself to be abused or I will abuse myself when I don't value what God values. You know that it's okay to love what God loves? And God loves you. So it's okay for you to love you. The Bible says that we need to love God and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. See, and for so long religion has said you're just a, a worm and that you're not worthy. Yet that's not what Jesus came to redeem. He came to restore us as, so that we could discover what it is to be a child of God. In John 17, and I'll, I'll close with this. Maybe I won't. You know, it's like preachers are liars. They always say, no, we'll close with this, and then they keep on preaching. I might close with this, I might not, okay? In John 17, Jesus is praying from verse 20. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. He's praying for his disciples. I don't ask on behalf of these alone, the disciples, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory, God's good view and opinion, which is reality, which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus took of this glory and he gave it to you. So that you could rediscover what it is to walk with this consciousness of God's love, a consciousness of dignity, a consciousness of worth, that I don't need to look for it outside of myself. I can look for a sense of value and discover who I am as a child of God based on God's view and opinion of me, rather than what other people think. And I want to let you know tonight, and I really believe this with all my heart, somebody, maybe there's one or two or three of you, where you've done stuff in church and you have not been appreciated. You've not been valued for what you've done. And you're sitting here tonight saying, God, I did this. And I want to let you know tonight that we don't get our value from people. God still values you. 
God still has crowned you with glory and honor and dignity and worth. And don't allow the opinions of people to determine your worth. Allow God to be the one who determines your worth. I'm going to close after this joke, okay? Three guys are talking in the pub. Two of them are talking about the amount of control they have over their wives. The third guy, he just keeps quiet. After a while, one of the first two turns to the third guy and says, what about you? What sort of control do you have over your wife? The third guy says, I'll tell you, just the other night, my wife came to me on her hands and knees. These guys are amazed. I said, what happened then? He said, sir, no, she said to me, get out from under the bed and fight like a man. <laughs> See, the mystery of the gospel, the Bible says, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, a confident expectation of God's view and opinion becoming my reality. That's what it's talking about. Where I'm living in the affirmation of my Father, I'm living understanding that God values and loves me apart from my performance, that He's the one who has purchased me. There is a sign around your neck which says, not for sale, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. You are so expensive, nothing can buy you because God has bought you. In Matthew 6, and I promise you I'm closing with this, Jesus speaks this parable to us and he says, for this reason I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, not for your body as to what you're going to put on or your life. Is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they don't sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And you, who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God is saying in this portion of scripture that God provides for you not based on your work. God provides for you based on your worth. And that's why he re reflects and he says here, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor, nor, nor reap, yet your father looks after them. And then he says, are you not, not much more valuable? Are you not worth much more than the birds? And oftentimes we are looking to our performance for God's blessing. And I want to tell you tonight, God says don't worry about those things because God knows what you have need of. And he will look after you because he's a good father. Not because you're good, but because he's good. So don't look at your performance for God's provision. Look to the kingdom which is in you. 
Begin to believe what's in you. Begin to see what God has deposited within you. And as you begin to believe who you are and who God is, provision comes. Because God provides because He's good and because you're valuable to Him. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? Maybe you are standing here tonight and people have abused you. Maybe you're standing here and people have told you that you're not valuable to their organization, to their company, to maybe a marriage partner has told you that you're not valuable. And I want to let you know tonight that God sees you and that He says you're valuable to Him. And His opinion is greater than man's opinion. His opinion is what counts. And it's when I let go of what man has done to me and I take on God's view and opinion where I begin to discover how to have dominion in life, how I begin to rule in circumstances, rule my emotions, rule what is happening around me because I understand who I am and I understand whose I am. Why don't you close your eyes? If that's you tonight, can I ask you to send a fence away? Those who have hurt you, those, those who haven't seen your value, those who have said that you're not worth it, why don't you just send all offense away tonight and take on God's view and opinion of you, that you're valuable, that God made you, He fashioned you, He took such delight in creating you, and that He loves you because He loves you. And there is nothing that you can do to change how God sees you. And then secondly, tonight, maybe you're standing here, you've never made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've, you've had this view and opinion of God that has been distorted by religion and that in your mind you've seen Him as angry and distant with a big stick in His hand. And I want to let you know tonight that He's a loving Father and that He will never ever do anything to hurt you. Jesus said this, he said, you must be born again. That means to be born of his spirit, where he comes and he gives you his nature and he lives inside of you. He gives you right standing and righteousness as a gift and he welcomes you into fellowship with himself. If you're standing here tonight and you've never ever made a decision to say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know what this guy Steve is talking about. I don't want to know a distant, angry God. I want to know a loving father. If that's you tonight, Jesus said this, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. For you to discover the Father's life, love, it starts with you receiving Jesus, believing that he died for you, believing that he sees you as valuable and precious. So I'd like to pray for you. If you're standing here tonight, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, but you sense God knocking on the door of your heart saying, come on home. I'd love to pray for you. I'm not going to invite you to the front here, but I would love to know who I'm praying for. And if you're standing here and you say, Steve, please pray for me, I want what you're talking about. Why don't you just slip up your hand so I can see you, and I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer to receive eternal life. Just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Can we pray together with those who lifted their hands and those who wanted to? Can you just pray after me? Just say, thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. 
I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you are Lord of all. Thank you that I'm forgiven. I receive your love. I receive righteousness. And I am your child. Thank you for saving me. I belong to you. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray tonight for those who've forgotten how valuable they are. I thank you, Father, that you lead them in a journey that they will follow you. And that they will not only know, but they will know your love. That we will know what it is to be valued by you. That we would know what it is to walk with dignity and worth, understanding who we are as your children, so that the world may see, because we know your good view and opinion, which is a reality in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I ask that you lead us by your Spirit into a discovery of who we really are in you. And Father, we pray for this church, this community, Lord, and I thank you that the best is yet to come. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for continued breakthrough. I thank you, Father, for your provision. I thank you, Father, that you're touching and speaking to people's hearts who will be an extension of your kingdom through generosity and love. Thank you that you meet every need, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you continue to bring people to discover their value, to discover your love, and that this church is an influencer an influencing church in Durban, Lord. And we thank you and we bless every person that is here tonight in your wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much.